Hi, my name is Jen Iannacone, and I am the owner, operator, and weirdo behind Valkyrie Apparel. You are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. And I am Robin Renee. Welcome to episode 142. In today's show, I share my conversation with Jen Iannacone about size inclusivity, clothing, and LARPing with children. But before that, Robin tells us why Black Punk is awesome. Yes. <laughs> so you know the drill. We do a new episode mostly every other Wednesday. You're actually hearing this a week later than normal. We've had all manner of things happening. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> but in general, you can hear us every other Wednesday and you can subscribe to our show on our website, leftscape.com and find us wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do go to check out our site, sign up for our newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. And we are on social media at Leftscape. It's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we love to hear from you. And your reviews really do help us out. Absolutely. So also, you you also know this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we tell you Patreon. every time. <laughs> yes, yes. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Leftscape. Join us at any level, starting at just a dollar a month. And all our Patreon supporters have access to our exclusive segment, We Should Be Recording This. And if you can, you can always increase that contribution. We've got other gifts and opportunities and some events coming up eventually. And <laughs> um, so please do check it out. Our most recent episode is, our most recent, we should be recording this episode is called the Popular Slut Club. So that's probably enough of info <laughs> to get you intrigued, we hope. <laughs> yes. Things just have been crazy in both of our lives. I just finished working the polls and not not as a dancer. This is this is the voting polls. This and this was a this was a topic at the at the this, polling place this with is my not a wife. popular slut activity. No, but everybody's everybody's like, wait a minute, I don't think you I didn't think you were a stripper. It's like, you know, okay. <laughs> so it's not that, it's for voting. So there's a cause there's a primary in New Jersey happening now and it will have by the time this show airs, it will be all over. So we'll know who are on the slates in November. I wanna say for anybody that didn't vote in the primary to remember to vote in the general election in November. And I'm gonna be harping on this a lot in the fall because this is an off year, you know, we're not voting for president or, you know, senators or stuff, but we are voting for our local, our local officials who have way more impact on your everyday life than anybody in the federal government does. And this is also where all of the lunatics get their foothold to end up in Congress later. So this is where you nip that crap in the bud. So, you know, just go vote, damn it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Oh, boy. So, yeah, I've been busy mostly worrying about the show I have coming up uh, <laughs> at, at, at Queer Candy oh, Music cool. Festival, which is in Highland Park, New Jersey, this coming Sunday, the 11th. And Ooh. It's going to be fine, but I you probably you might hear my voice. I've been sick and my I haven't been able to do anything vocal and I'm like how am I going to do this? <laughs> so, but I well, I'm, I'm confident I will get it yes, together. I I pro I'm going to probably suggest you go on vocal rest, but after we're done recording. Today. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, uh, oh god. All right. So, I guess it's time now for our random facts in the news. <laughs> yes. Okay. My fact for this week, this show, is that Japan has 23 vending machines per person. Japan <laughs> has the highest amount of vending machines in the world. And this, I'm not sure what each person would do with their 23 vending machines. It would be very a very, very convenient life if you could... <laughs> strategically place all 23 of your personal vending machines wherever you need them in, in the world. That's that's impressive. It's better than guns. Yes. I'd rather have more that's true. vending machines and people than guns. And like yeah, more. yeah. That's yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not mocking the Japanese for this anymore. <laughs> unless unless there's gun vending machines. That oh god. Not... <laughs> Nobody even say that. <laughs> And my, and my random fact is that scientist Alan Turing tried out for the Olympics. He came in fifth place at a qualifying marathon in the 1948 Olympics with a two hour, 46 minute finish, which turned out to be 11 minutes slower than the Olympic marathon winner that year. He, he had a leg injury that held him back in his athletic ambitions that year. So it, some people can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a cool fact. I was really psyched to, to hear that. That is cool. All right. And now it is time for all the news that we can handle. Well, first of all, happy Pride Month, everybody. Yes. That's happening. And there's, uh, you know, events all over and that sort of thing. And and there was some good news in the LGBTQ world that gay and bisexual men are now allowed to give blood yay which is kind of like really finally <laughs> <laughs> yeah so basically the there was a decades-long ban complete ban on men who have ms msm men who have sex with men donating blood uh, it began in 1983 and it was a response to the hiv aids crisis that people they just thought it was too dangerous or whatever um and which was you know well i guess they didn't know a lot then you know right but then that started as a lifetime ban it lasted all the way until 2015 and then requirements were reduced to a 12 12 month celibacy period and then you could donate and then later in 2020 that became three months and now you know especially because of increased need during COVID and, you know, all the sort of just med uptick in medical needs, they realize that they can just treat everybody's blood the same now, which has been a long time coming. So, yeah, I'm glad that. Yeah. Yes. Well, good. <laughs> Absolutely. 
the Barbie film, this is my first news item. The Barbie film required so much pink paint, it contributed to a worldwide <laughs> shortage. The film's production designer, Sarah Greenwood, says that the world ran out of pink during the construction of Barbie Land and the life-size versions of the doll's dream house. And this was a movie I wasn't really planning to go see. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot. So many people were talking about this. So I was trying to figure out what the what the hubbub was about. <laughs> a lot of people were super excited about the Barbie. I guess if you were really into Barbie, I I, I had them, but was never you know no. that crazy about it. But that sounds like an urban legend to me. It's a very funny story. <laughs> oh, it's it's you. It's it's an actual story, and it's in the Guardian. Okay. So that's where I didn't just get it from like conspiracytheory.com. I, I go to reliable news sources. This just kind of tells me there isn't that much pink paint. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, it's a very specific color of pink and I bet it has its own Pantone number. Just, right. I just bet. I don't know what it would be. Barbie pink. <laughs> yeah. Barbie pink. <laughs> And I can totally believe that if it's this one very specific pigment that they could run out of it for a yeah, minute after using it. <laughs> they must have used a lot of pink paint. <laughs> that's all I have to say. And my next news piece is that officials in the state of Georgia, not the country, which I have been reading articles and it's like, okay, are they talking about Georgia in the United States or Georgia in, in Eurasia? <laughs> and half the time it's the other one. It's the one I'm not thinking it is, but this is Georgia down South. They're asking people to please keep their clothes on for their driver's license photos. <laughs> That's a um, new trend. <laughs> I, I figured you would like that, but apparently they've, they've now, instituted some sort of on a cell phone based ID system that would help you going through airports and stuff like that. So you could use, I guess, a selfie or you have to take a selfie with your phone to to do this. So you don't go to the DMV and get your awful picture taken, which is the normal procedure. You know, they, they tell you, do not smile and look as shitty as you possibly can. <laughs> and then the, then they take the picture. But in Georgia, they're letting people, I guess, use their cell phones for this, and people are not wearing clothes. People are getting pictures. apparently. <laughs> so put your shirt on before you take your ID picture. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, well. Well, in my universe, <laughs> that new driver's license would be, <laughs> that would be standard. <laughs> oh, man. So I have been really dismayed that it looks like this Bud Light boycott has been going pretty well for the right. Oh, is upsetting. Like they've really got. So the the basic story is that somebody at Bud thought it would be cool to send uh, Dylan Mulvaney, who's a a trans like influencer, uh, trans woman influencer on Instagram and I believe Instagram, maybe TikTok. Um, okay. Too. But anyway, um, they sent her like I think it was even like a single can of Bud that was personalized to her, like just so she would talk about it. And they just had a little, you know, small little deal about it. And the right went insane and started, you know, actually like shooting cans of Bud Light <laughs> and 
pouring it out and boycotting it and whatnot. But apparently it has really, really dunked their sales. And mm. the person who, who was the advertising person, either they lost their job or they got demoted or something. They're not Shit. in that capacity anymore. So it's really that the violent backlash, you know, and there's been lots of threats and all, you know, to, to people selling Bud Light and it, it's disturbing. Wow. You know, that's not good. No. And I'm not a big, you know, I, there, we were having a conversation on a, an oblique conversation on, on, <laughs> on discord last night about rainbow capitalism and how, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of criticism to be made about companies that just throw a rainbow on something in June and try to look cool and whatever. And I'm wearing, I, I have to, I have to interject here. My husband brought me back the, the rainbow corporate Merck t-shirt that the their their rainbow alliance had printed up for pride month but it that's the that's the lbgtq advocacy group within the company that did this so right, right. so it's not like this isn't they're not doing this necessarily to sell to anybody but you, you're just talking about that and i got i'm wearing one <laughs> right. now, so, so. yeah no and it's like i don't i don't think it's terrible some people really hate corporations being involved in pride or doing anything at all i, I think there's you know the vis i think the visibility overall it's a it's a helps it's a barometer of how culture yeah. is seeing us at, at least and there's a lot of things to say about it. that's a whole other conversation <laughs> but it is upsetting to me that they are buckling to like that that the pressure is so massive and that people that, that people are buckling the same with target taking yeah. displays down and things like that. Well, um, they had to do, yeah, that's because the the assholes were like threatening and the, the employees in the store. Right. Like they're the ones that decide what goes, what they're selling. Oh. You know, it's, well, it's maybe like that's they, the difference. It's like where I'm not, you no, know, I, I know tons of people who aren't eating uh, Chick-fil-A, but I don't think we're calling in bomb threats. You know what I mean? So it's, exactly. It's not like we're going in there and, and threatening the guys at the, you know, at the, at the, at the counter, right. which is what people were doing at target. Yeah. Yeah. Things are getting, things are getting really fucked up. And my la my last piece, I know there's another one after me, but Two researchers, Catherine Buchanan and Gillian Sandstrom from the University of Sussex, England, have conducted a study showing that looking at positive news stories, specifically videos and articles featuring acts of kindness, can actually counteract the ill effects of seeing negative news stories. So guess what we're going to, how we're going to arrange our news stories from now on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We try, we do. Try yeah, we do. We do. Nice <laughs> they go further to determine that while following negative news with humorous news does boost the person's mood, news about kindness works even better. Mm. And it also, it also works to like restore your faith in humanity in general, which is hard to do after hearing about people shooting beer cans and and forcing you know court or bud budweiser to to walk back putting rainbows on their beer cans which is right. really all that is it's like you know this is this is the the starbucks cup christmas cup controversy <laughs> in 
just blown out of proportion too. Every so. season, I always look at the Starbucks cup and I try to figure out what someone's <laughs> going to be incensed about <laughs> from it. <laughs> it's very, it's it's entertaining. So, if you want to read more about any of these, these go to our website, and we have links to the articles that we're talking about. Yes. So. Yeah. So the other, the last thing I wanted to mention, and I admit I have not read this completely yet, but I'm, I'm interested in it. There is starting to look like there's some causal evidence that shing, the shingles vaccine may prevent a large number of dementia cases. Wow. So I'm... that is interesting to see a, a, a real link between, you know, to, and to, to see a possible cause for at least some types of dementia. And it, apparently it looks like what they did was that they took a, a sample of people and they took a strict age date. Like they picked a, a date in time. I think it was like, okay, those born on or after September 2nd, 1933 were eligible for the vaccine and those born earlier were not. Mm. And so they wound up seeing like a really significant difference in the onset of dementia just on that exact line. Wow. So it's interesting. It's, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure lots more has to be done, but that's a big step if, if that's, if it looks like, if it is what it looks like. Yeah. I'm, I'm about ready to go get one, get the shingles vaccine. I, I, you know, they keep, they keep bugging me to go do it. And the last time I looked into it, it wasn't covered under my insurance. So it, and I wasn't going to pay $400. So wow. I didn't get it. But now that I'm ancient and on Medicare, I think I can get it. I think it's covered. So I'm going to go get it and I will report back and, okay. and we'll see, we'll see if I can remember words. again. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's all the news we handle today. <laughs> so there you are. Well, welcome to Why Is This Awesome? And this is where one of us raves about something that we think is really, really cool. So today <laughs> I wanted to talk about black punk rockers. And cool. that's something I know that... nothing about any of that. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. I should assign you to listen to things when I... Yes, you should. <laughs> But yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, I was ahead of the curve in punk in my area anyway. So I was like, kind of like the only weirdo walking around with, you know, weird hair and safety pins and stuff at a certain time <laughs> in my life, like I guess the beginning of high school or something. And so it was always also compounded by the fact that it was thought of as like, I could punk wound up being thought of as like this very white thing. So I was like this weirdo for multiple reasons, you know? So it's <laughs> always kind of exciting to me when I meet people of color in alternative music and that sort of thing. So, you know, so one of the things I've been interested in lately is like finding punk bands who are black or black fronted and that, that sort of thing. And it's not, you know, there's a lot of history to it, uh, actually. And it's it's something that's mm. not that visible, I guess. But there are just so many different bands. Like a lot of people know about 
bad brains from dc and they're pretty you know well known and if if you say like name a black punk band like that's usually who someone would say <laughs> but uh recently and some of those bands i've known about but i just started to get more into so there was a band called death in detroit and they were like in the early 70s and a lot of people say that you know they may have really been one of the very first to create the sound you know in some ways that's and it was awesome kind of yeah they were like ahead of things and they um started out i guess you know they they grew up listening to a lot of like sort of like i guess mc5 and other just sort of rock band kind of stuff like garage rock and some r&b too and and then at a certain point they just went all in for rock kind of music they had a song called politicians in our eyes so it was like political in some ways and stuff and it was one of those bands where they were really interesting and a lot of people didn't want to put their name on their marquee <laughs> in that time <laughs> you know just whatever and there's a documentary out about them called a band called death which i believe came out like 10 years ago or 11 years ago now or something like that so they are pretty cool but even uh, who i i actually like listening to more there's a band out of philly called pure hell and they were they just sound i mean they they really like i guess death was like sort of proto-punk in some ways that from what i've heard okay. i like it but it's more rock ish or hard rock or something like that oh it's so funny i forgot their original name was rock fire funk express <laughs> before they <laughs> in 1971 and then they changed into death in into like death 74 they changed to death yes <laughs> but pure hell is a band from philly and they were out in the early to late 70s too i guess well mid to late 70s and they are really like a hardcore band. Like when I hear their music, it's just like exactly what I love. And I'm like, how did I not know them? But part of what happened is, again, they were like, they had a bunch of weird deals and didn't get quite, you know, didn't get signed in the way that they would have liked to or whatever. But they didn't, they did record some stuff, but it never really came out. So in 2005, this album got put together, like all these years later, it was called Noise Addiction. And I've been listening to that. And what is the song? Oh, I Feel Bad. <laughs> I Feel Bad is a great song. I think that's pretty cool. So what else? Sisters in the Pit. I've heard I've heard some of their stuff. They were in San Francisco, like sort of more recently. I can't remember if they're still together or what's happening with them. I haven't found anything by them more recently. Um, so is that an all-female band? Yes. Sisters in the Pit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they're pretty cool. It's, and it's it's sort of a music sound. It's a sound that is pretty diverse, too, I think, which was neat. Okay. And then I've just started to go down this rabbit hole of finding all these other artists that I wasn't that aware of. So there's this festival called Afropunk, which has been happening over the best i would say a decade or something like that and i'm not sure when it's coming back it's i i'm looking on their website and it's got dates from like 2019 and things like that so i don't know if they're virtual if they or the if pandemic yeah or if they're coming you know coming back later i'm not sure but that is a great place to just learn about you know black folks into all kinds of different alternative music and stuff and that's one that i've never gone to it which is 
seems ridiculous, but it's like, I guess it was always happening when there was another festival. Like when you get to the summer days, mm-hmm. it's limited in terms of, you know, yeah, there's, there's so many things. So many weekends. Right. So many weekends in the summer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like I've, why I've never been to Burning Man is that's a big reason. At that and that I don't really love deserts so much. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know. If you don't want to go to Burning Man, I suggest you go to Starwood Festival, which is either in Western Pennsylvania or Ohio. And I don't know where it is anymore. It was in Western, it wasn't Ohio. Then it was it in Western Pennsylvania, like right off at Lake Erie. Right, um, right. Well, I used to get X hold- Day, which was right before Starwood. So right, but Starwood, I call, I used to call it Burning Man East because it's basically the same thing. Right, right. Just not in the desert. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, just the other band I wanted to mention is a band called the White Mandingos that are current that I've been listening to. And it's um it's intense, you know, it's one of those things where I like it and it's and it's sort of hard to listen to sometimes and and that's good if that makes any sense okay well why is it hard to listen to because it's real you know it's not something that i put on that's like like it's really talking about real issues now issues and okay and it's not always fun but it's good right you know, okay. so it's not something I put on in the background and I'm like, la, la, la. It's like, OK, I want to check this out. And, and it's something I want to listen to more. And just from there, right. sound that I could describe it a little. It's It seems like a really interesting cross between punk and and hip hop. Like, I really very much hear both strains in it, you know, and it's really cool. So that's something. And the, the 1865 is another band that I would put in that category that they really are talking about serious issues of racism and all kinds of oppressive stuff. And, and, you know, punk at its best, I think is, is often political. It's often, there's a silly strain of punk, which I also like, but right. There's a real. No, I, of- yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of thought the whole genre grew out of political bitching. Yes. Political <laughs> bitching. <laughs> <laughs> yes, deep political analysis. Maybe not always in punk, but it's but it's looks at the issues in one way or the other for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's one of the we were talking about the differences between punk and metal, and why I favor one m- much more than the other, and what the differences are. And I think that's one of them. The topics in mm. punk rock tend to be more more of a political nature, and metal is sort of I don't know. They talk about different things, I guess. Yeah. You know, the devil or something, <laughs> or sex or whatever. Yeah. Not that those things don't, you know, that there's crossover. Right. There's lots of crossover, but, you know. Yeah, but, I think I think metalheads don't want to think about politics. Yeah. In general. In general. It's just a I different mean, there. I mean, there, there, there is, there, there are definitely in some metal genres, I, I used to call it angry young men music. Because mm-hmm. it it you know when you listen to it you just get angry because it, it's it's hitting all you know it's like it's speaking to your hypothalamus or something <laughs> and hmm. and it just like 
it gets you that's why i don't really listen to it because i'm that i don't want to be in that mood usually i want to be away from that mood or if i'm in that mood i don't want to stay there okay. and and certain metal it like just puts me in that mood where you know if you look at me wrong i'm gonna smack you or something so interesting so that's funny yeah. because punk for me talks about punk anger. has that rage punk has that rage too but it's definitely it seems more focused on a specific topic right as opposed to like as that and okay and metal is just like i'm just pissed i don't know why and i'm just angry 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 and it could just be because i can't understand anything they're saying the <laughs> that could, that <laughs> so could i don't know what the they're bitching about yeah no yeah <laughs> for me though punk tends to give me if it's singing about an angry topic it actually feels liberating it's sort of like the release valve of that anger oh, okay so it doesn't make me mad it makes me sort of joyful actually okay experiencing it so yeah i think if it actually made me pissed off i don't know that i would listen so much i don't know but yeah but but sometimes you know obviously like the actual topics like if you're if you think about it you reflect on it and it's an upsetting thing you know like i said some mm -hmm. of the stuff does that right right um, for me but the band that i would love i would actually love there's a documentary out now about this band and i hope that it comes to philly and i would love to interview this filmmaker if i could i actually did send something to them so who knows but there was a band in south africa called national wake and they mm. are late 70s early 80s and the idea of there being an integrated band in apartheid where mm. they risked everything to play music and sing about what was happening in their in their culture you know in their in their yeah. country that to me is that's the real deal <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean wow and i played one of their songs the other day on on my show on Discord on, that I do Sundays at nine. And you should Owen. put a little plug in about that right now. Yes, yes, I should. So <laughs> I, I do a show called Saved by Zero on Yacht Rock Discord, <laughs> in, which is the <laughs> Yacht Rock server of the, this is my really cool, weird little nerdy community, which I love um, <laughs> and discovered like around the, you know, beginning of the pandemic and we've all been hanging out but you know all kinds of music happens on there and that is my my contribution is sundays at nine so yeah if people want to know about it i will well i can't really well i could put a link but it'll probably expire but just just hit me up and ask if you want yeah. to want a, uh, an invitation but um but yeah so i'm thinking of i don't know that i'll do it this week coming but Whenever you hear this, this will be in the past. <laughs> but sometime soon, I was thinking um, because it's Black History Month now. While we're talking, maybe I might put together a show of some of these bands that I'm talking about now. And and I oh, feel cool. weirdly, I feel weirdly self conscious about it, and I hate that. Why? I feel like I, don't I, feel... I, yeah, it's like oh, maybe people don't want to hear all my politics and blah blah blah. But it's important, and I think it's important culturally and musically that all of us are represented you know and i i know that yeah for me sometimes i feel sad that i was just a little too young 
to get into clubs when I was just started getting into punk and stuff like that. Because I meet people now in like the new wave, see alternative music scenes and things like that in Philadelphia. And we're still definitely a minority, but there are people of color in those crowds and that love that music and stuff. And I was like, oh my God. And I was sort of being led to believe and being told that I was some kind of a weirdo in a bad mm. way when I was growing right. up for liking that. And, and I just, I wish I could have crossed the bridge and seen more of that scene, you know, because it really is inter integration. And even in the, some of the bands that people know the most X-ray specs had polystyrene who was biracial and, you know, other, other people, the selector. So all of those musical movements were not monochrome as people tend to think or are, you know, really? it's yeah. sort of made to, the, the stereotype is one thing, but the reality of the communities right. are, is different. So, right. Well, it's, it's also because America is not monochrome as much as certain demographics want to believe it is. Right. And, and, and neither is the UK. And, and musicians <laughs> have been integrating with each other for along since they've been playing music because music kind of transcends this i whatever. think so too i think so too and that's why i just you know when i know we talk a, a lot about cultural appropriation and all those different things and it's like i feel like if a sound moves you go to that sound and learn it and hear it and be in it because that's what musicians do, you know? And yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah. And that's some of the best stuff that I've heard is has that has those elements to it, you know? So I just um, often say, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just want to, I'm also giving you yet another assignment. Because <laughs> I'm hoping by the time we air this episode, you will hopefully maybe put together a Spotify playlist that we can link to of many of the songs that you've talked about. So I can hear them. <laughs> finally yeah. yeah i think um, i will do that because i want to if i especially if i do the show i'm thinking of putting together like i'll have a bunch of that at least on a youtube playlist and okay then I, I might i could make it into well spotify any whatever you, you whatever put a, it doesn't have to be spotify youtube right, actually right. pays the bands more so a youtube right. playlist is better <laughs> right right Oh, so a really magical thing happened the other day, which is so funny. Like, uh, so that I've just been noticing more and more articles about this topic too. Like, uh, I think at Harper's Bazaar was just writing about, I don't know if it was very recent, but relatively recently about black folks in punk and alternative music. And there's, there's been sort of a, a bit of a, an upsurgence of interest in this topic. And it feels like very concurrent with my own interest. Like, I don't know that I saw something first and then got into it. I was like, you know what? I want to dig into this more. And suddenly every, a lot of things are there. But one of the strangest things just the other day, I went on Facebook and this friend of mine posted a shirt, a t-shirt that they saw in Philadelphia that said up the black punks. And it is really awesome. It's just like a really <laughs> cool shirt, like graphically and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh. I need that. And then he posted the link and it was sold out. And I was like, oh, sold out, Brad. <laughs> and then I didn't pay any attention, but apparently he looked and said, what size do you need? <laughs> and I didn't notice that he posted that. And then it said, well, I got you a large because that's what they had. And the next thing I know, <laughs> this 
guy is like saying, hey, well, I'm coming, I'm going to be traveling past, like I could put this in your mail, you know, I could drop this off for you or whatever. I was like, I'm not even going to be home. And literally he delivered me this awesome t-shirt in my <laughs> mailbox when I was like up in North Jersey. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like black punk is just arriving at my door and <laughs> it's pretty cool. So I'm, this uh, is like, this is like going almost against that conversation we had about the secret about the abundance thing. Cause this is sort of, <laughs> yeah, I did. The energy went out and things are coming back. Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if I see magic, I'll, accept it as magic and if i want to <laughs> talk about the bunk of those books i will say that too i don't know i could i'm a walking contradiction <laughs> well it's like me and astrology it's <laughs> right right but yeah but there's always i mean the, the thing in general is that there's as much as i know i know and learn about music there's always so much more to learn and dig into and I'm always enjoying excavating new stuff. So this is one of the one of the pathways and it's it's oh, cool. been very, very rewarding so far. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So that is I look it, forward, and that is awesome. I would look forward to listening to more things. So. <laughs> okay. Cool. I am very happy to be here with Jen Iannacone. She was born in New Jersey, but now lives in Western Massachusetts with her husband, their dog, and several creepy old dolls that certainly do not watch you as you move around the room. Founded in 2014, Valkyrie Apparel is her passion project born of spite and rage. Rage towards an exclusionary fashion industry who neither understands nor wants to understand the needs of plus-size customers. So hi, Jen, and welcome to The Leftscape. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So let's talk for just a second about body positivity and size inclusiveness. And that's probably, I would guess, 98% of our listeners would already know what this means. But just in case somebody just woke up from a coma, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's define our terms. Well, body, body positivity, and there's a, it's, it's actually getting a little controversial these days, but body positivity, positivity is basically loving your body, no matter what size, shape, anything like right. you just have to love each part of, you know, the love yourself. Mm -hmm. The reason it's getting controversial is it's kind of been co-opted and I don't want to get into that because I have another concept called body neutrality, ah. which I like a little bit more because sometimes body positivity gets into that a toxic positivity mindset right where you're setting yourself up whereas body neutrality is like you accept the good and bad about your body but you don't you don't judge it like okay you know you you could be too heavy you might have pains you you don't have to love everything about your body but you accept it as it is okay and it's it's you know you understand that yeah your knees creak and your neck <laughs> might be <laughs> hurting, but it's part of you and you love yourself. Okay. And size inclusiveness is born out of the fact that we often forget that skinny people have to deal with body shaming as well. Body shaming is not exclusive to plus size people. I do feel we get the, the worst of it. 
but I have several tiny friends who also have trouble sh shopping and finding things. So size inclusive means that it's the same product for everyone, oh, every size. Okay. There's only so much you can do for body shapes, but whether they're regular sized or plus size, there's a, there's one for the one for you. And in my version of size inclusive, I charge the same price, mm. no matter what size the garment is. That's a very unusual stance to take. And because I, <laughs> I used to sell, I used to, to order and sell t-shirts. And the minute you got over XL, the, the price per unit started going up, you know? Oh, yes. And, and yeah. And I think, I think part of that is also, it's a similar it's it, it reminds me like the they give you the excuse well we're using more fabric or, or some bullshit like that which is bullshit and it, it reminds me of the the what is it the the female tax that you get mm -hmm. like if like <laughs> the, the bic for her is the one that comes to mind it's <laughs> the pens the pink pens that were more expensive than the rest of the pens so <laughs> the pink tools <laughs> Pink tools. We only yes. have one pink product. I will. I will say that. But that's our other niche. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what was it that made you decide to start your own clothing company? Well, and it actually, I, I am. I wish I was joking about the spite and rage, but <laughs> it is, in fact, what happened. I had been working for a boutique owner locally. And I had been held, helping her set up a brick and mortar store. And I said, listen, and she was a ballerina. So very, <laughs> very tiny, tall, but thin. And I said, listen, if I'm going to be part of this, can we do plus sizes in addition to regular sizes? Because I would like to be able to wear the clothes that we sell. Yeah. And she said, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and then the only plus sizes we carried were consignment clothing that looked like something my grandmother would wear. Mm. that she got from a friend of hers and threw in a closet and, and hid. <laughs> and this business did not do well because it turned out that she was not, she's great at coming up with a business concept and then she really needs to hand it to somebody and step away and not be involved with anything but the promotion of it. And so as I could see the writing on the wall, I started working on a business plan to be like, when this, I, I want to keep going with the idea that I have, but how do I do it in my way to, to make it what I want? Because okay. if I'm not working with her, I don't have to do mainstream. Right. If I'm not working with her, I don't have to. At the time, it was just plus sizes. Ah. And that was part of the like, fine, you guys have skinny people. I love you. I don't want to body shame you, but you have enough resources for clothing. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot out there for you. And I know... Everybody, and I talk to men too, everybody has problems shopping in one way or another, but my expertise is my body shape. So that's what I'm going to work with. <laughs> and then because I ended up designing a lot of the clothes, which was not my original intention, I was originally just going to be a retailer and my, my skinnier friends were like, but I want one too. <laughs> And A, because I love them, and B, because their money is as green as anybody else's, 
Yeah. I expanded my size range. There you go. But the company policy is company me. My <laughs> policy is that if it doesn't come in sizes 3X, 4X, and 5X, we do not sell it. Okay. If it's missing regular sizes, I will carry it. But if it doesn't come in those three sizes, I will not carry it. Okay. It's restricted me a little bit, but that's that it's important. I think it's very important. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that's, that's, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) This question you sort of kind of answered, but I want to hear a little bit more about it. Were you talking about where you're designing the clothes? Cause I, I had thought you just were finding manufacturers that made stuff in the sizes you need. So, so some of the stuff you have are your, is your own like design for the, the garment itself? Is no. It? Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I have harnessed the power of the internet and I found, and it's a relatively new industry, you know, about t-shirt printing companies is right. like, they, they will print whatever you want on a t-shirt. And I started with those because I was having trouble finding suppliers who would work with me who had what I wanted. Um, and that's easy, easy peasy. Gildan and Haynes both make right. uh, size inclusive t-shirts, but I wanted more. And because I'm a home-based business, it's really hard for me to purchase in bulk. So I started poking around the internet. And then a couple of years in, I started seeing print, cut, and sew vendors. Okay. And so what, it's similar to the t-shirts in that I send them a graphic and they print it on their pattern and then sew it together and send it to my customer. Oh, okay. In order to get the products in the sizes that I want, in the designs that I want, I'm working with them and trying to come up with unique and interesting things that can't be gotten anywhere else. Right. But also occasionally taking some inspiration from things that I see that are really cool and can't find them in plus sizes. So I make my own version of it. Okay. So you're you know, not, a, not you're, a full rip off. It's right. inspired. No, 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 you're doing, you're doing the surface design and yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's when you're saying design, that's what you're talking about. Surface design, yes, not the, or the silhouette. <laughs> you're yeah. not designing the silhouette. You're finding the silhouette that you like, and then you put your surface designs on it and then sell it. Right. Okay. So I go through my, I have two manufacturers that I really like. They are overseas. You have to make some compromises, but they're both pretty good. They're reliable. I did check on their background a bit before I worked with them because I didn't want to find out that I was using a sweatshop. And so, so I go through their catalog of the patterns that they already have and find the ones that work for me. And then I design ah. based on their specifications and then say, make it so. <laughs> okay. That answers the next question I had. So I'm not even going to ask it to you. How do you select the, the, the design patterns that you use on your, on your clothing? Do you, do you do them all yourself? I know you do some of them yourself, right? So I have a giant spreadsheet of ideas um, and it's ideas of things that I want. It's ideas of things that my friends have said, Hey, I want this. I can't find it in my size. Can you make it? The list is ridiculously long and I don't know (laughs) if I'll ever be able to do all of it. 
because I focus on my own niche communities of being a goth and being a gamer, it makes it a little bit easier because there are certain things I know we all love. So I started with an obscure Victorian horror story reference <laughs> that very few people know about because that was, that was my first design because nobody was carrying anything for it. And it's still one of my best sellers, but also one of the laziest pieces of design. <laughs> it's okay. Now describe, describe this to me because I, I, kind of vaguely maybe remember is there a skull involved yeah, it's my my tribute to the king in yellow okay um, I oh, that. Chain. okay most people know the king in yellow as has store from lovecraft lovecraft's writings okay robert chambers did it first it was his concept that lovecraft was inspired by mm. now that's interesting because that's one of the references that i did not get that niche is outside of my interests, which is fine, but yeah. <laughs> um, there are four King and Yellow shirts on the store right, in the store right now because they're just not that much. He's not that well known or people know the Lovecraft stuff and they do his interpretation, but they don't right. go back to the original, the original material because they just don't know. Right. And so, you know, I get inspirations. I, again, I get, I get mad about something and then I, I suddenly have an idea that <laughs> my yellow wallpaper t-shirt based on the story, story by Charlotte Perkins about the woman confined to the attic room with the crazy ass wallpaper. Okay. I watched a bad horror movie inspired <laughs> by the story that decided that there was a vampire and I was just mad. <laughs> And I was complaining about the movie. And the next thing you know, I had this brilliant idea for a graphic for a t-shirt. <laughs> but you also work with other artists. Yes. Two artists for sure. One viral cat. <laughs> is that, is that, that's his name? Viral cat? No. Oh. Pixel and Sophie. Oh, okay. Um, Pixel went viral shortly after I became friends, internet friends with his mom. <laughs> and having a kid, three cats and an unemployed husband at the time that this went on, I helped develop some merch so that they could make some extra money. They don't need me now, <laughs> but because we're friends, I still carry, you know, the stuff that I designed for them. Um, and so, and then Kim Diaz home, who is, I don't know how it's pronounced officially in Norwegian It's a uh, Denger home. Okay. He is an artist that I followed on TikTok who does not believe in copyright and wants everyone to put his art on everything and just attribute it to him. He doesn't expect money, but I do pay him a, a cut. That's nice. And then Storm's Legacy is a local friend of mine who does really cool art. So I, I work with them as well. Cool. 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 And some other people, but those are the big ones. <laughs> so this is kind of. I don't know if this is a weird question or not, but I was curious to know, because I know you started this business before the pandemic, and I wanted to know if the pandemic years were good for your business, you know, how they affected your business for positive or negative. I had to scale back a bit because people weren't buying clothes because they weren't going anywhere. That's really my interpretation of what went down. Sales dropped. Mm. I had to lose one of my only retail manufacturers that I was working with because they weren't able to produce anything. Right. And so 
they brought some interest, but they were, they were also gone because they couldn't, they couldn't manufacture anything. Right. So that re did that retailer go out of business completely or did they just scale back for, they, they scaled back. They focused a lot on their regular sizes and weren't putting a lot of effort into the plus sizes. Ah, but then when I, uh, something I carried would sell out, I wouldn't get notified. Oh shit. It'd be back ordered and I'd be selling it and I wouldn't be able to get it. And I would ask, when can I get this? And they would say, we don't know. Oh, so I just took them all, took them all off the website. I'm slowly adding them back, but the damage was done. Right. Right. Is this, this is one of these things. So you had a bunch of customers that had back orders and, and they had to, did you have to refund them their, their money and stuff like that? No, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Sometimes I could convince people just to use it as a store credit. Okay. When I, my, my customer service training over the years is first thing you do is you find a comparable product and you get it in the right size in the right, in a different color. Mm. Offer them that first, then make a suggestion on something on the website and then offer the, the, the refund. Okay. Because that people love that because it's that extra customer service that you're doing to help them right you know alleviate the, the disappointment of the i found the perfect dress well the perfect dress doesn't exist anymore <laughs> that's a very frustrating problem that i think all of us have experienced at one point or another yep i hate i hate disappointing people it's one of the reasons why we don't do in-person shows because i can't buy that much merch mm. to have on hand right right yeah, quick a quick anecdote. I would say 24 years ago, I made a purchase of I want to say a gross of band t-shirts, maybe they were 200 of them. I still have some. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> yeah, you got to be really careful. I, it's part of the reason why print cut and sew is so nice is because I don't have to have them in stock. Everything is made on demand. Yeah. So, this is kind of I don't know if this is a weird question or not, but recently you did, you did some, I want to call it not quite crowdfunding, but you did, you did get apply and get a Kiva loan. Yes. And I want to hear a little bit about that experience. And this, I got a reminder today because the Kiva sent me a, a thing saying, oh, your loans are getting paid back and so, <laughs> they want me to reinvest in somebody else. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so they said, oh yeah. I did, I did send some people some money through that. So, okay. So tell me, tell me how that, how that works and how that. So this is, this is my third Kiva loan. Oh, wow. I keep them very low because I don't want, like I, I have in my mind how much I can pay back when is feasible. So I know a lot of people like $10,000 will save my business. My first Kiva loan was for 500. <laughs> this one was for 3,500, which is the, like sort of the max that I can pay back over the, the time for me in all three cases, I was able to raise the funds before I, I only had to go public for 24 hours last time. And my friends just gave me money. And then this bank backed me this time. Oh, wow. And everything. Everyone donated, got doubled. Really? So oh, that's cool. I was funded before I went public, which is neat because what they do is 
because they're not looking at your credit rating. They're looking at your trust. So how much friends trust you, how much your okay. community trusts you. And so you have to get, based on how much you ask for, you have to get a certain number of people to loan you money. It doesn't matter how much they can give you $5. That's, that's a person. And that counts towards the total. So you oh, get wow. 15 people who are willing to loan you any amount. And then you go public in the Kiva database and people who are searching for loans to help out, they can find you in the search. I've, I've only had to do that once. I've only had complete strangers fund me that second time. I didn't make it. <laughs> and it's really nice knowing that people trust me. I mean, also that having paid back two loans, it's a lot of the same people. Yeah. So they know I'm not going to leave them in the lurch. I've been late before, but I've never defaulted. Okay. And the bank is just, the bank just doubles, just doubled whatever people gave. Is that kind of what happened? That I'm not 100 sure why. Sorry, I'm talking with my mouth. Let me finish. <laughs> I don't know why the bank chose me. Um, they might have. There's something on the back end where they were actually fronting the money to Kiva. Mm. Because I know it took a weird. There was like a weird delay in me getting approved, and they couldn't quite quite explain why. But when I looked and I, I had like a little extra badge on my account. And so the bank was actually suggesting to their employees that they should donate to me. Oh. So if I had gone on public, they would have shown it to their employees because they match their employees donations. Okay. But it did say that they were matching all of mine. Wow. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out what's in it for the bank to be giving you a zero interest loan. And I'm guessing this is part of their charitable they're Stop. donating the money to kiva right that's a, it's and a charitable right donation up. i got it yeah because like when you said when you said bank it's like my brain goes okay this this doesn't sound like something a bank would normally do i know right i was a little confused it it's not a bank i it, honestly it's not a bank in the u.s if i remember correctly and that okay might be the reason. okay you know they, in europe they, they're 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 europeans, europeans are uh, seem to be friendlier with just in general <laughs> they take pity on us right now yeah the, the, they've got their own crazy but you know i've it's, been hearing a lot on uh, social media of people in other countries being like what can we do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i we're not gonna we're not gonna get into that all all that yeah you know this is and now this makes me just a little sad that we are an audio only podcast because I, I, you know, I want to show everybody your fashions and I do love that you have pictures of real people wearing the clothing in your, on your website. And that, and that's something, you know, like, like most of the other print on demand companies, they have like the models, like that stock photo with the white, clothing that they just put the the artwork on and you can kind of see what it looks like but but i you know you go ahead talk talk to me about oh, about your photo the kiva loan the recent kiva loan has gone towards playing paying influencers mm. gifting them clothing and then paying them for the rights to the pictures they take of my clothing <laughs> okay um, it, it's you know there have been mixed results right now i have two that are that are doing really well that i'm waiting 
on the returns and that the returns of all the clicks and the likes and the okay. follows because it's a long tail marketing thing as opposed to an immediate immediate thing you know yeah. like i put myself in front of these people first i'm putting myself in front of their followers who are now following me so now i have mm. to remind them that i exist and that they want to give me money for right yeah, and we could we could do a whole other podcast about marketing because that sounds really interesting. But I and and I am the notorious don't stay on topic person. So, <laughs> so yeah, same. That's why we're friends. I, <laughs> yes, it's all the undiagnosed ADD. <laughs> uh, yep. Oh my god! All right, so. I want to know, I want you to talk about a little bit about the other things that you do, because you have a diverse set of skills and, and I find a lot of the stuff you do really cool. So tell me, tell me about the LARP stuff okay. <laughs> and, and what LARP is. So <laughs> LARP for live action role play is an extension of Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop role playing game, where I believe it was, it started in the seventies where like where people were like, we just don't want to sit inside at a table and do this. We want to get out and run around the woods in costumes and do this. It's very similar to a Renaissance fair, but a lot more intense and a lot less and, and less of the public, but there are a lot of comparisons. <laughs> but what we do, the company I work for by day is LARP adventure program. And we run LARP events for kids and we are using it as a way to teach them life skills. So they get to play their game, they get to build characters, they get to run around in the woods, they get to learn mock combat and, and fight with foam swords. But what they don't always realize until they're older, we're also teaching them teamwork, how to, how to deal with you know large groups of people facing a common goal a number of them have figured out how to, you know, make to-do lists and keep track of things and organize their life because they have to, they don't want to do it for school, but they want to do it for us. <laughs> Kids making lists of basically as they're unpacking, making a list so they know what to pack next time. Uh -huh. And self-reliance and, you know, we're, we're forgivable, but we, we, we forgive a lot. <laughs> but we also were like, you forgot your, your gear. <laughs> so don't call your mom. <laughs> How are you going to solve this problem? And then we call their mom and we get them. But um, <laughs> we, we try to get them to figure it out first. And it's great. And it's, we treat them like adults, even though they're kids. We don't oversimplify the storylines because they're kids. We keep it PG, PG 13 because it's middle school and high school students. Right but they they deal with a lot of complex storylines in cool. addition to the giant fungus monster that chases them <laughs> with glow sticks i just i just got the cliff notes version from our high school students of this past weekend's event where they where the two characters the two staff characters broke up and everyone witnessed it and all the kids were like <laughs> taking sides and oh man yeah, and it's and it's when you when you hear the reasoning behind it, it's well, yeah, I know my father was was an evil being, but he's my father, and you burned his church down, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really mad at you right now. 
And this, I, I had to, I learned this because I like the question was asked to their fellow players. Why did you burn the church down? Even though the door was unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> These are discussions that they're having. What was the point of that? <laughs> And, you know, we as, we as adults, we, we basically guide them. I'm like, well, think about that. Why did you do that? Why did you feel that was important? You know, not that we're saying arson is a good idea. <laughs> but obviously, there was a point to it in game and there were no, no real world consequences. So what, what were you thinking? What were you feeling when you made those choices? So we, yeah, we, we, we sneak in a lot of educational content that they, they don't realize until they're they're until they're older and they become staff for us. <laughs> Does that, <laughs> and that time a lot? In college and high school they, when they work for us and they go, wait a minute. <laughs> Does that happen a lot that your your former students turn into staff? As of right now, I have two of my high school students, one who's starting college in the fall. I sent them their you're 18 now. Welcome to your, your summer job emails. Um, <laughs> I, I said, welcome to the staff side. We have cookies. <laughs> and I, I walked them through how to get into the staff portal. I have to run quarries for both of them. I, they've only been 18 for 48 hours and I'm already afraid. Because, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I have a great progressive bunch of kids that I work with and their battle cry is be gay, do crime. Is what? Be gay, do crime. Be gay, do crime. And I'm That's, like, uh, I'm an adult. I am not allowed to encourage this. Ah, uh, <laughs> I can encourage it. You're exactly. <laughs> I'm the office manager, and I am a very good influence. But that church, <laughs> they didn't want that church to burn down. They shouldn't have made it flammable. I <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. that We, we do a sign-off on our shows, and this is going to be our sign-off for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no i love what it, I, I have a degree in educational toy design i didn't know what to do with it toy companies didn't want me uh, <laughs> because i i didn't have experience except i had just spent five years studying child development techniques and why play is important to education <laughs> and that i graduated in 98 and i did all these weird jobs between them just trying to, you know, stay whole, like right. do something that mattered to me. Uh -huh. And now I'm, I'm back. I'm writing curriculum for the fall on, you know, how to, how to do LARP for five-year-olds. This is amazing. And I'm really glad you found, you found all of your niches because, you know, it sounds like you did. Yeah. It's, it's still boggles my mind that I'm, I found my way here and, I, you know, and I have a hippie, wonderful boss who is, believes in a life job balance yeah. and, and yes, he's yes. very appreciative of everything I bring to the table and vice versa. He's amazing. He's, That's great. He's so right now I want you to plug this LARP group and your business and, and then we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> okay. So Valkyrie Apparel is a size inclusive boutique, online boutique. For goths, gamers, and everyone adjacent. And the and URL we, is? The URL is valkyrie-apparel.com. If you search Valkyrie Apparel in Google, I will likely come up first. But if it says activewear, it's not me. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and then LARP Adventure Program is a Massachusetts-based educational program. We offer day camps all summer in Arlington and Winchester, Mass. And in fall, we will be offering after-school classes, which are effectively how-to LARP, where kids get to learn to make their own equipment, costumes, and um, some martial arts techniques that help them battle safely. And that is all one word, LARPAdventureProgram.com. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you very much for chatting with me today. It's always a pleasure to see you. And Anytime. We- we need to we need to be in touch more frequently. That's all I have yes. to say. And next time in New Jersey, I will make time to hang out. I did not have time. Last oh, time. awesome. Awesome. All right. <laughs> all right. Bye, lady. You got questions? We got answers. And this time, the question comes from the great bi activist and friend of mine, Robin Oaks. And she wants to know, thinking about any or all of your various identities, what advice would you give to your younger self? What do you know now that you didn't know then? I know so much more now. (laughs) I've I've seen these questions go by on Facebook a lot, and it's like, you know, I, it's part, it depends on what age of my younger self I'm talking to. I think if I was talking to my high school self, I would encourage me to start a band and not wait for, I don't know what the hell I was waiting for. I didn't start band, a band until I was 30. So I think that was a mistake. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I would also would if I knew na- then what I know now. I not only would I would start a band, but I think we would be fairly successful because I know a lot about marketing now that I didn't know as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I also I also know about contracts and looking out for myself in terms of royalties and shit like that. But yeah, that's one thing I would definitely have liked to do at a much younger age. I hear so. that. Well, I, I think I'm looking at the identity part of the question. And I think that that okay. feels crucial to me. So I'm thinking as a person of color and my, and who I am, I, I think what I would tell my younger self is that it is truly, truly okay to be who you are and like what you like. Because the biggest, really, the psychological damage that I'm that I'm still dealing with today has to do with being black and being a person of color and having a you know blended racial identity and family and liking the music I like and the things that I want to pursue in life. That all those things don't go together, and you're not black enough, or you're not. Mm. something like there's some like I really got this message that there's something wrong with me and I would go to my younger self before I that started and really let myself know that that's not true because that's yeah still, that's still to this day like really one of my biggest traumas that mm. I deal with have you have you done work 
I know there are techniques and I don't know if they're meditations or what that where you're talking where you're it's I guess part of that inner child healing stuff where you're actually where you do actually talk to your younger self and try to work through your traumas that way. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't done it yet. I, it would be a good thing, I think, mm. because I've thought about that. And, and, I, and there are things I want to write about, too, that I just don't because I get to those topics and I just kind of stop. Mm. It stops me in my tracks still. So that's a good question. And it's definitely <laughs> I need to I need to look at it. A yeah. Lot more. I mean, as far as as far as me and and my identity, it's like I at least had a mother who did not conform to the stereotypical housewife role you know and i was always encouraged except for except for being a musician or an actor or any of that stuff i was i was not encouraged there because my mother was saying yeah you, we, i think they wanted me to be able to support myself and they know that people in the arts generally don't or they they're not it's very difficult to earn a decent living that way or at least it was it's the generational thing because like all of my and my cousins all of the kids in the generation past about past mine the younger ones they're all in the arts or, or some mm -hmm. some creative industry and you know they're either artists or they're game designers or they're actors or you know all of these things that i guess all of the things we wanted to do, but our parents weren't encouraging us to do, which is why I said start the band in high school. I, I was always, you know, saying, yeah, you may think I'm weird being an engineer and being a woman and all that, but fuck you. So I was always, I, I didn't have, nobody told, the people who told me that I shouldn't be there, I were people who I didn't listen to. Right. You already had your armor up against that, which is great. Yeah. And, and good, good representation. So, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, some represent a little bit of representation. But yeah. yes, I and, and I, I have to realize that that was my privilege being, you know, a melanin challenged human that 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 I didn't have that obstacle. I didn't have that hurdle to, to jump over. <laughs> so. Mm -hmm. That put me ahead. I know that put me ahead in some ways. And actually yeah. being a female at that time put me ahead in some ways as well, because they wanted women in these careers and women weren't doing it. So that was there was incentives for companies to hire me. And, and I took advantage of that. So, you know, <laughs> good deal. Yeah. And I, I was able to take advantage of the fact that my parents did encourage the arts, which was which was good. Yeah. I was lucky. As I know, I'm, that's not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, for sure. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Robin. That was a really, really good question. Yeah. You made us think, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Robin Renee. Thanks for listening to the show today. And you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan, on Instagram at Robin Renee Music on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And I just got the elusive invite to Blue Sky. Ooh. So if you're on there, please help me, uh, please kind of show me the neighborhood because I don't quite know how to connect yet. I, I, but I am there and I'm at Robin Renee 
bsky.social. Um, I have a personal request. If you get invites, invite me. Of course. <laughs> I'm not I'm inviting on there yet. you and I'm inviting Lefscape. So definitely, definitely. Uh, and I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. So please do send us your questions and comments, everything like that. And we would love to shout you out on an upcoming show. Definitely. So until next time. Be well. Be gay, do crime. And keep left. <laughs> <laughs>listening to the Leftscape podcast sound engineering by wendy sheridan show notes by robin renee fake sponsor messages by ariel sheridan web hosting by InMotion. remote recording by squadcast if you like what you hear please share it with your friends you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at Leftscape. become a patron of our show for as little as one dollar a month at patreon.com slash thanks for listening